Welcome to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And now, here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday to you here, 1450, the Sports Buzz. A lot to talk about on today's show. Carryover of some of the things we didn't get to yesterday. Uh, it's a rainy, kind of an ugly day in Louisville. Uh, we're going to have Rob Doster on in the second segment as well as we normally do on Tuesday, so it should be a fun show. Uh, Trevor, how are you doing today? I'm staying dry. Yeah, you're not you're not out in out and about in traffic and getting wet and all that good stuff. No, but if there was if having no air conditioning in your car in the summer is bad, it's even worse when it rains because it's a there's a no win situation for it. I don't know uh, the best way to describe it is when it rains, I have to put my windows up because I don't want to get soaked, and then as a result of that, my windows fog up which means I have to turn my heat on and my defrost on. So I just literally just, in the way I don't want to be, get baked in my car. So why, why aren't you allowed to drive the, uh, the 1450 bus to and from your, your home and into work? Yeah, that, every problem I just gave you, multiply that by five, and that answers your question why I'd prefer not to drive the bus over my Buick. It has no air conditioning oh. either. It, uh, and again, I would be sitting this, stuck in the same situation, except I'd be going probably a lot slower and having to stop and get gas twice as much. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're doing all right. Uh, but the I, bus is a trick I, magnet. I will say that. I'm sure it is. I, uh, I'm sure it is. No doubt about that, Trevor. I was out and about in traffic today doing some some tune-ups to my car as I'm heading down to Atlanta tomorrow for some basketball recruiting and all that good stuff. Cats Illustrated is going to be covered and with basketball recruiting content as Brett is down in Charlotte right now for the Under, uh, Under Armour Rivals Invitational sort of deal, a workout down there with some of the best players in 2016 and 17. And then I'll be down in Atlanta for the Adidas championship uh, their circuit comes to a close and then also we'll have some coverage from nike peach jam which is also this week uh, which is the best nike guys so tons and tons of basketball recruiting content kind of our our super bowl week here on cats illustrated so you're telling me um, the we'll message talk- boards will can't have nothing to complain about this week well well it's it's generally around this time that the football guys will start getting worked up and saying, why is there so much basketball content just two months before football season? So it's, it's always, it's always a little something. Uh, but I think the bat, the people that are hungry for basketball recruiting news, I think they will be happy this week. I can't imagine there being a large abundance of football fans that are so hungry for information. They would for about their, the football program that they would ignore information about the basketball program. This is not Alabama. This is Kentucky. Well, there are a lot of fans that that don't that are purely Kentucky football fans. Uh, you'd be you'd be surprised, and they're I'm, and they're I very am, I'm vocal. I'm already shocked <laughs> that there are, and they're they're pretty vocal too. I I think that they just uh, for whatever reason they they don't buy into Kentucky basketball. They think maybe it's a bit too much, and they're. Uh, they're just football guys through and through, so they support Kentucky football, and they don't like to hear a lot of anything else. And there's a lot of people that are that are probably more Kentucky that are, that are probably bigger Kentucky football fans 
like basketball, obviously, because it's hard not to with how good UK basketball is historically, uh, but still want more more football news, more good news regarding the football program. So, uh, the the you know it, it's it's message boards. There's a lot of mostly good, but there are uh, some people that will never be happy. Um, but that's okay. I, I know uh, people will be thrilled with all the basketball content that we'll have. And as long as Run it's DMC. good news content. If it's bad news, they won't uh, like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I think most of it should be good news. Um, there there are going to be most people saying nice things about UK and Calipari. be great if somebody were to commit, although I doubt that happens. Uh, Run DMC texts into the show and says that he can relate to AC problems. It was him last summer. It was Texas heat, so it could always be worse, Trevor. Yeah, and I'm I'm not trying to say that Texas has got it worse than us, but Texas also doesn't. I don't do. I don't think they, do. They have the humidity that we have in the Ohio Valley. Or are they just straight heat? Uh, they're just straight heat. No, I, I don't think there's much humidity in Texas. If I'm not mistaken, maybe know, there is. I don't know which don't one know. is worse. I don't know if Texas is is comparable to like it is in Vegas during the the middle of the day in this in, in the hot weather. Then I yes, he has he knows exactly what I'm going through. Maybe in a worse level, but if it's not if it's just straight. It's not as hot as a, as a Vegas afternoon, and it doesn't have the humidity. Uh, humidity is what kills you. It can kill you. And I, I'm pretty sure Arizona is just a dry heat without humidity. I think it is. Um, not, not 100% sure about Texas, but I should probably ask my brother, who also lives in, in Dallas with Brun DMC. And Brun DMC also got a new job yesterday. So he, he's a big fan of the show, but we're a big fan of him, and uh, him getting a new job is, is exciting and does, good does news. And I know he's open. His old job is open, Trevor. Send, send me a link, Run. I, I'm, I'm always uh, eyes open. I don't know if I really want to go to Dallas. I don't know how long I'd survive walking around in my Eagles uh, gear and my Dallas Cowboys suck gear, but I'll do it. I'll take I Listen, I, I've got one, one, one rule when I get in a fight. I'm not going to the hospital alone. <laughs> That's... Uh, um... Is that your rule? That's, that's a pretty good rule if that's actually what you stick to. That's my one rule. I just don't. I try not to get into many fights, though. Okay, well, that's good, Trevor. Uh, I'm a lover, uh, not a fighter. That, that's good to hear. Um, Brendan C. also asking if we've seen the the Caps Paws cover of Patrick Tolls, and it's him with a Harry Potter Hogwarts scarf. He's got a Harry Potter scar on his face. He's wearing Harry Potter glasses. And the cover says, Patrick Tolls in the order of Kentucky football. Harry Potter fanatic hopes to help create its own UK magic. And I have seen some UK fans love this. I've seen some UK fans hate it. And it seems the rest of the country is kind of making fun of it. Trevor, have you seen it? And where do you stand on this? I have not seen it. uh, But, you know, it's how old's Patrick Tolls? I mean, he's probably the right age where Harry Potter was in his wheelhouse of, of obsession by kids. So for him to to uh, have any kind of love for for a uh, for for the Harry Potter series, it wouldn't. I have no no problem towards it. Yeah, but but do you think that should go on a on a football cover? Uh, I've seen worse. I mean, it can't be worse than when they did the Village People uh, the um, image with uh, Jared Lorenzen and company. <laughs> you, know, uh, you remember what I'm talking about back when? Like, who was it? Uh, I don't remember what year they put it on there, but they've had like. Uh, they had them all wearing construction crews, and I think there might have been a uh, a guy in a police uniform behind them. You know, YMCA sign up in the left corner. It was it was kind of it was kind of pretty corny looking. I don't know if I do remember that. And Harry Potter came out in 
2001. So Patrick Tolles, I mean, that, that goes with him too. I think Harry Potter was more of my generation where we were 10 when Harry Potter came out. So that probably means Patrick Tolles was probably uh, seven or six. So he was probably actually a little bit younger. I'd never even um, heard of Harry Potter until the second movie came out. I didn't even know it was a book. When the second movie came out and uh, somebody I knew was wanting to go see it and she explained it to me. Uh, and I had I'd never heard of it. I didn't know it was a. I had never knew it was even literature before it was a movie. And I didn't even know there was a first movie until the second one came out. So it ran from two thousand one to two thousand eleven, uh, which was when prime, I was. Pri- I guess drinking years for Trevor. <laughs> prime kid years for for TJ up until two thousand eleven. Obviously not not so much a kid anymore. I was I was in college, but it really did span across my childhood um, into adulthood. Uh, for Patrick Tolles, a little bit younger, but but more of the same. So this comes from the Cat's Paws, and of course they're one of our competitors. And I don't generally talk down to. Oh, so um, you want me to make fun of them, right? Is that what you were setting me up for? No, to, to, no, to, to, no, to make no, fun no, of your no. competitors, so you don't have to. I got I got your back. I like now, what is Cat Paws thinking? I, this is just total absurdity. I like I like the the people at the Cat's Paws, and, and they and they do pretty uh, pretty good work. I, I think obviously it. Cats Illustrated, we are uh, your one-stop shop for all that stuff. But, you know, that's, uh, that's of course, what I'm going to say. Uh, this cover, I, I think, is kind of kind of goofy, but it's not like they forced Patrick Tolles to do it. It's not like they said, it's not, it's not even like UK said it, or Cat's Paws, uh, you know, held a gun up to him and said, you're going to pose as Harry Potter for this picture, uh, and we're going to make you do it. He wanted to do this on his own, so he thought it was a good idea. He thought it was fun. And even though it does come off maybe as a little corny, I still, yeah, you know, it's whatever. I, I like it. It's something different, at least, Trevor. Yeah, and it's, I mean, UK, like I said, I remember UK's always been somewhat uh, tongue-in-cheek with their, I feel like they, they with their with, with the Cat Paws uh, cover of their books. Like I mentioned, the uh, Village People looked at a few years ago with, uh, uh, with Lorenzen and company. So, I, yeah, I got no problem with it. And it does kind of crack me up a little bit that, <laughs> that Patrick Tolles was the one that was talking smack on Twitter, and then he's dressed up as a, a wizard. They they should have taken this further in the Harry Potter theme and reading Brun DMC's text. Well, uh, he texts into the show and says something similar about the Twitter smack talk, but he does say that Patrick Tolles should, uh, or, or they should have had Bobby Petrino as Voldemort uh, and then have some Dementors as Louisville football players. If I knew who uh, which, those characters were, I would probably find that funny. I, I can't believe you don't know who those guys. I don't. I, you you know who Voldemort is. Uh, it sounds familiar, but I'm not. Is is that the the guy with the really creepy looking dude with the black hair? Uh, no, it's the it's the no no. No, uh, we'll just we'll we'll end the conversation, Trevor. Uh, but so I am I surprised you, you don't I, know. That came out when I was in my early mid twenties. I have no. I, I've never seen a Harry Potter movie. I I, I know of them. I've seen them, you know. Obviously, I know Harry Potter is. I know there's the uh, there's the young girl that, that really developed well as she got older, and then there's a little blonde, snotty kid in the movie, I think, or in the in the, in the movies. But uh, and then oh, there's the guy that played in the uh, in the Lord of the Ring movies, the wizard guy, and he in those. Yes. Okay. I think. Give me I think some that's credit. The same I mean, I'm, I'm getting close with someone who has no clue what he's talking about, which is pretty much ninety percent of the things I say. Oh, okay. So, uh, so that there is the Harry Potter cover out there. We hadn't talked about it yet, so I'm happy that um, 
the Brun DMC brought it up. I'm I'm okay with it. it it's kind of corny. It's kind of goofy, uh, but it is something different. And and uh, you know, Patrick Tolles is a good sport for doing that, and it, it's it's creative. Uh, what have you been watching a little uh, NBA Summer League today, Trevor? I have not watched any today. I've been keeping up with it though a little as much as I can, but I have not had a chance to watch any today. You didn't get to watch the Russ Smith versus Peyton Siva. Of showdown it also featured andrew harrison too who uh, almost made a, a great highlight no inform me how did uh, how did the two former cardinal greats and one of the best backcourts in basketball history do against each other that's not that's not one of the better backcourts in college basketball history oh that makes by the way. laugh I, I make some great harry potter jokes and you you just i, I get nothing i get crickets I make one one uh, somewhat uh, true fact about a, about a Louisville backcourt, and you, you giggle at me. Far from far from true. Uh, Russ Smith finished with twenty points and also had a sudden death game winner, which was pretty exciting. Peyton Steve had seven points, seven assists, and, and quite a few turnovers, if I'm uh, not mistaken. He made this awesome pass in one uh, at one point of the game, but then came back and had two turnovers afterwards Andrew Harrison had a quiet game with uh, five points in the win so a good game for for Russ without a doubt not surprised summer league is Russ is that's his wheelhouse he's, he's I would a love pure to... summer league player I it, it it probably is and some of the moves he made were just vintage uh, Russ Smith moves I wish they bring the summer league to Louisville I, I think that would be awesome if they if they had just you know that now they're going to Utah for a few games, and they Las Vegas has some, Orlando has some. Uh, I, I think that they should bring it to to Louisville for a few. If they're bringing them to Utah for, I think just six games with four teams. What, what, you know, there's no what's doubt the that Louisville. Though, I mean, there's not they don't have like attendance really there. I mean, it's mostly just NBA people and personnel that watch them. And well, well the the Orlando, you're right. It is just a very small gym that's fit with scouts and media, yeah. and that's about it. Uh, Utah, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were actually playing it in their home arena. So it was, uh, and it was pretty packed for some of the Jazz games. And then Vegas, I think, has a more friendly setup, uh, fan friendly setup. That is where where more people could show up. But you could bring you could bring the NBA to the Yum Center, and you know maybe if you're Louisville, if you're looking for a positive out of Louisville side of things, uh, maybe an NBA team would be more likely to throw bone and add. Somebody to the roster that could help attendance. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of reaching. I, I doubt, I doubt you'd put it in the Yum Center. That's this is the type of thing they'd probably put in Freedom Hall. I, they may put it in the Yum Center, may, maybe a little bit, but I mean they're not going to sit there and tell you know a musician or a, some kind of concert where they're going to make a lot more money. The Yum Center being off of the profits of that or what they already have scheduled. I'm sure over a game that they don't know is going to bring a large crowd because it's a summer league game. That's a, this is the type of event that I could see them putting it in Freedom Hall, if not what, like Orlando did, what looks like probably Wagner's Gymnasium. Okay, I'm te- Trevor, I'm saying that they should bring it to Louisville because fans would go to it. So they could bring it in the Yum Center, and I say get 12,000 fans. I don't know. On average, if, how many? If, I mean, not every game. I mean, maybe if a game like today might bring a nice attendance in because you, have, you mentioned the players that are involved, but – a random game with no real ties to the local community for a summer league game on an early afternoon on a Wednesday or Tuesday. I don't. Well, know it depends what, what time you. It depends what time you do you do it because out in Utah, 
in Las Vegas, they do them later, if I'm not mistaken. Orlando is earlier in the yeah. afternoon for those games. So if you did it later and and the Yum Center wasn't booked up with the musicians, which most nights it's obviously not, uh, and you were able to have some summer league games that featured some former UK, UofL, some IU players, uh, without a doubt, I think you could get 12,000. Uh, I think you could average 12,000 because if you had a game today that featured Peyton Siva going against Russ Smith with Andrew Harrison there as well, that you know on a on a Tuesday night in Louisville with nothing else going on, you're going to get a really good crowd for that. I I think you could get maybe depending on how much tickets were, you could get maybe seventeen thousand. So I think saying they could average twelve thousand wouldn't be a stretch whatsoever. Uh, but the issue is, I don't even know if the NBA would want to do it, even though attendance would be higher and it would generate more of a buzz for the NBA. I don't know if NBA teams would want to do it because then they'd feel a need to probably have Peyton Siva and Russ Smith out on the court more, along with you know the UK guys. They'd, they'd want to play into the, the home crowd while still trying to develop and figure out what they need to do with their rosters. So they might not like it from that standpoint. I say it'd be great. It'd be fun. You could get the NBA more involved in Louisville, which is what we all want here. I mean, I, I do think you could sell tickets for it. I, I just remember when the preseason game last year, Trevor, when the you had the, I guess, the Pelicans and the Heat playing in the Yum Center. Uh, Monty Williams was asked so many questions about Russ Smith and, and this and that. And I think even Darius Miller was still on the roster at yeah. that point. And he was asked repeatedly about those guys, and he was getting so ticked off about it. Maybe that's yeah, why he it, traded it, Russ to Memphis. And, uh, you know, they did that later in the year, and then eventually uh, Darius Miller was was waived from the team. So uh, you can you can imagine how coaches would feel about being asked those questions and, and this and that. He was so sick of it, although I don't know what he expected. You're playing a game in Louisville, and you've got a lot of UofL and UK and even a few IU ties on your team. So, of course, uh, people are going to have some questions about yeah. that specifically. Monty Williams is a Notre Dame guy. You know, they, they only care about themselves. The only time he did actually kind of get excited was when he was asked about an old Notre Dame game that he played in. I forget kind of the the gist of the story, or he might have played in Freedom Hall. That was the only he was not the most personable coach that I have ever interviewed. He's a good ball uh, player. Been, I remember watching him in uh, college. He was all business, and now he is. Uh, where did he end up? Because now he's not with the Pelicans he anymore. Uh, oh, coaching wise, I don't think I've seen yes. his name. I was gonna say player wise, he was drafted. I think he played with like the Knicks and the Nuggets, if I remember correctly. But uh, player coaching wise, I don't know if he's landed anywhere since. He was like, oh, I haven't seen his name on any headlines. I remember a quick Google search shows that he has joined the Thunder staff as oh, top assistant. Billy Donovan, well, that's a good ad as assistant. Even and that way, he probably stays out of the media and doesn't have to come off as this uh, big grouch. What's well, a nice move for Billy Donovan too? Your first year NBA coach. I don't care how much experience you have in the college level. It's nice to have someone who does have experience, both as a player and a coach, and Monty Williams on your staff. It's the smartest thing to do for a rookie basketball NBA coach is to bring in the experienced guys as your assistants. I can't even imagine how that would feel. You gotta imagine that's that'd be tough for my. We're gonna kind of get off subject here, but you have to imagine that'd be tough for Monty Williams to go from being the head coach, coaching maybe the best young player in basketball, and then now you're gonna be an assistant with a first year coach, where you have have to feel that you know more than him and and can do a better job. Instead, you're just gonna have to keep your mouth shut and and let Billy Donovan ultimately kind of have a trial and error period in his first years yeah. as an NBA coach. But Monty's that's young. Monty's I can't still- imagine that being 
situation. Monty's still young enough to know that he's gonna he's, he'll get another opportunity if he does the job right in OKC. He'll he'll have another head yeah, coaching f- job offer. Forty three probably, but I mean, it probably wouldn't be anywhere great. He'd probably go to a young small market team and maybe. have to kind of work his way up. I mean, Scott Skiles but, has been hired three or four different times. I mean, retreading in the NBA is not uncommon. At that point, probably all about the money. Uh, and and some more NBA news. Uh, the Bucks president says a move they could move the team to Las Vegas or Seattle if they don't figure out a deal for their arena. No mention of Louisville, which is kind of a punch to the stomach for NBA fans that want Louisville uh, to, to come to town or be considered. Realistically, I think it's clear that Louisville's behind those two teams, and the best thing that could have happened is expansion, where they add a team in the West and a team in the East. And I think Louisville would be a good front runner there. It doesn't uh, matter, TJ. It's a moot point. They're not. They're not moving that team. You, you see the bottom line. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're right about that. You're you're correct about that. Um, which brings up another point of how this. If I was a, a Bucks fan, I would absolutely absolutely hate the president for saying something <laughs> like that. But that's you know we can have this conversation later. We need to head to commercial break because we're gonna have Rob Doster on. We're gonna talk uh, basketball. We're going to talk about Jamal Murray's passing up million, a million dollars possibly to play at Kentucky. We know that Rob Doster isn't as high on Jamal Murray as I am, but we're going to not talk so much about talent as terms of decision-making. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. That's a lovely accent you have. New Jersey? Austria. Austria? (laughs) Well then, (laughs) good day, mate. (laughs) Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. We're back. Brought to you by Allen Electric, Kentuckyana's first and only electrician dedicated to residential repairs. Give them a call, 636-HELP. For any electrical service, Allen Electric will never leave you in the dark. Let's waste no time bringing on from NBC Sports, covering college basketball, Rob Doster. Rob, how are you? I'm doing well, TJ. I'm doing well. How you doing, man? Doing well myself. Where are you right now? Are you heading down to some of these events down in the south for uh, basketball recruiting? No, I actually won't be down there. I'll be in Philly for the uh, the Adidas event up there. But I got I got a kid on the way, man. I can't be can't be uh, going all the way down to um, Augusta at this point. I got to be within driving distance. Understandable. You'll find out soon about that. You'll find out soon enough about that, DJ. No, hopefully I, Trevor I, never will. Hopefully Trevor never will. That's, that's the one thing we can all agree on. I, I agree with you there, but I am uh, in no rush in that department. But uh, good for you being a, a good husband, future dad. In um, Augusta, know, there might be ju- little junior Trevors running around already. I, I just want that to be said. <laughs> I found that hard. I found that hard to believe, Trevor. Yeah, you got to get a woman to go home with you before you can. Uh, you got to go to step three. I got to get to step one and two, I guess. <laughs> that's a good that's a 
It's a good point. Um, anyways, Rob, what'd you uh, make of the United States Women's World Cup team? You know, we're having you on here to talk college basketball. We'll kick it off with the with the soccer question. I, I mean, I loved it. I uh, I was I, I I think that that was I've, I've watched a lot of soccer over the years, and I think that those first fifteen minutes or sixteen minutes or whatever it was was as impressive as any fifteen minutes that I've ever seen in any soccer match. I mean, it was. That game was over before it started, man. And it was kind of frustrating. Like, look, I'm happy they won and everything, but I kind of, I like cleared out my Sunday to be able to watch this game. And then, like, within 10 minutes, it was like, well, you know, is True Detective start soon? You know, when does that come off? Can I get it on HBO Go already? So, it kind of, uh, to be honest, it kind of ruined my night. You know, I planned my day around that. But, I mean, there's worse ways, I guess, to have your night ruined than to have the U.S. win the gold medal. So, I, maybe I'm just complaining a little bit too much. We we talked exactly about that on the show yesterday. What's more exciting? Because Trevor, we're trying to get him into soccer. Uh, he, we're going to try to get him to watch the Gold Cup tonight, too. And he, he planned his day around that women's soccer match. So I was asking him, what's better, a, a match coming down late to the wire like the Germany one that we saw in the semifinals, or would you rather just see a blowout with a, a plethora of goals scored there in the first few minutes? Uh, I think we all agree that it's probably better to have one come down to the wire, although, like you said, nobody's going to complain over a World Cup win. That was exciting stuff, and uh, congrats to our American girls. Uh, anyways, so we had you on last week, I think. It was last week. We have you on every Tuesday, but uh, you were talking Jamal Murray. You're high on him. You're not as high as I am. You think he's a good addition, but not uh, a drastic, doesn't change UK's lineup drastically. Uh, what we found out this past week is he might have not been at Kentucky at all. He might have not have been at Oregon at all. He could have played professionally for a million dollars, according to a report from Hoops Hype Canada, who says that his dad told him that. What'd you make of this news? And are you surprised? Are you are you buying the report itself? Do you think that Jamal Murray could have played for a million dollars somewhere else? Maybe, maybe he could have. Um, I mean, Emmanuel Moutier got whatever he got. Although I'm still not entirely convinced that Moutier got, you know, the 1.2 million or whatever his contract supposedly was. Um, I'm not convinced he saw every dime of it. I mean, the, the the whole stereotype when it comes to those European teams is you're never really guaranteed to get the paycheck that they promise to give you. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of believe it, but I, I just don't, again, I don't think that he's quite good enough to be a guy that you pay a million dollars for for one year. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm sure there were conversations. I'm sure that, you know, there were discussions about, hey, you know what, if we end up getting this million dollars put on the table, then is it something that we're going to take? But, you know, if you're going to sit here and tell me that they actually turned down a seven-figure deal guaranteed to go play in Europe, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it would have been guaranteed. But, um, I mean, it is what it is. I, I, honestly, I think that if this Emmanuel Moody, I touched on this a little bit on draft night, but I think if this Emmanuel Moody situation proved anything to us, it's that going overseas, is not necessarily the best option for some of these kids, you know. I think if you look at the the, the difference between the contracts, you, you cover recruiting, TJ, so you, you follow along with all these ratings. At any point, yeah. at any time during their high school careers, was, was Emmanuel Moutier ever ranked behind D'Angelo Russell? Um, the, no. the answer is no. He never was. He never <laughs> no. was. Moutier was uh, always the best player, always the best guard in his class. D'Angelo Russell was always like a top 
15 kind of guy. And, you know, Mounier goes overseas. He doesn't. He does pretty well in China. He gets injured. He only plays 12 games, but he's impressive in those 12 games. Um, nothing changes about what he can do except for the fact that he's been working out and getting better on his jumper. And D'Angelo Russell goes to college, shines, does like gets his team to the second round of the NCAA tournament, wins like 23 games, doesn't really do all that much against great competition, but has these moments and these flashes on TV where he's awesome, uh, gets all these vines, all these highlights, gets some height. And all of a sudden, he's the number two pick in Moody A. Paul to number seven. And I know that's not that big of a deal, you know, when you're talking about, um, uh, like, the number seven pick, you're still expected to be a really good player in the NBA. You're still going to get some guaranteed money. But if you look at the difference between what D'Angelo Russell is guaranteed and what Emmanuel Moody is guaranteed, let's say that he got, that Moody got paid every dime of that one million or whatever it was that China gave him. And every dime of that one million that reportedly is what he got from under him. There's two million dollars. That, that that difference is more than double than what it is. they're going to get in guaranteed money from just a rookie contract. And I know that the NBA is all about the you make your real money in that second contract. You get you 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 make some money in that first deal, but you get rich on that second contract in your fifth year when you're able to sign as a free agent. That's when you get the real money. So what's happened so far doesn't really matter. But I think that you know at this point. The money that D'Angelo Russell is guaranteed to make is more than the money that Emmanuel Moody is guaranteed to make. And it, it's kind of ironic when you look at the fact that Moody was never, ever ranked behind Russell. And the only thing that changed was one guy went and played well in China. The other guy went and played well at Ohio State. So if Jamal Murray is looking at this, and this decision is, let me take this million-dollar contract now, or let me go over, or, or let me go to Kentucky on you know, national television every night, you know, have Big Blue Nation following me, have John Calipari promoting me every single time he steps to a microphone. You know, when you look at the, those those two options, I think that the better option is actually to go to Kentucky. You know, and, and you know, if we're being honest, the money that 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 gets floated around, and, and, and we've talked about this before, TJ, there's, you know, if we're actually being honest, it's not like these kids are going to college for you know what I mean? Like the, the, you, you hear the rumors, I hear the rumors. Who knows what's actually true? But let's just put it like this: like the, none of these top twenty kids are are are, are necessarily getting free ride. It's, it's going to be free for them to play for college for them. So you know, when you factor that in as well, I, I financially to me, it just doesn't really make sense to go overseas unless you're forced overseas, like movie does. And uh, Trevor tells me second pick makes four point one million, seventh pick makes two point five million. So that reiterates your point right there. He's is that just uh, the, not, is that just the first year, or is that for the life of the contract? That's the first year. The first year. That's so the, it, over four years, let's say they play out that four year contract, that ends up being what like six million dollar difference, three times what Mounier got to uh, to go to China. So yeah, you get that immediate money, but it, it doesn't. It's not going to pay off for him in the long term. So uh, you're you're saying it was a good if he did have that offer, it's a good decision for him to to play out his career at Kentucky, his one likely one year career at Kentucky. And I don't disagree with you whatsoever. It's just kind of surprising uh, that a that a 16, 17 year old kid could be offered a million dollars or be offered uh, opportunity to play for free. But you're saying if you think long term, it's just the better decision to go to a uh, to, to to play where you're going to be seen. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it always is the better decision to play college ball, unless you know you don't really have a choice to make. And that that's the thing about Moutier 
because he didn't really have a choice to make. You know what I mean? Like, he he, he wasn't going to be playing SMU if he went to SMU this year. And I think it's almost more of an issue to uh, – it might have hurt him even more to have these, like, NCAA, you know, academic violations, amateurism issues. I think that's more of a red stain um, on your – or a red flag on your profile than it is to go over to China and, and, you know, get injured and only play 12 games. Because, you know, I, for, for some reason people think it's so terrible for a kid to try to make money that people want to give him off the talent that he has. Yeah. Uh, well, well said. You know, I hadn't really thought of the the Manuel Moutier, D'Angelo Russell aspect just like that. But you're right. Emmanuel Moutier was always ranked higher than he was. And at some points, Emmanuel Moutier ranked maybe the best player in the class. Uh, and despite going seventh, which is still, you know, pretty good, um, he is losing a, a significant amount of money if he were to go higher. We had a question from one of our listeners, uh, Rob, and we're speaking with Rob Doster from NBC. Uh, he wants to know, we've heard Patino complain in the past that being an Adidas school doesn't help with the recruiting, so does Michigan becoming a Nike school again with Jordan as their basketball affiliation? Uh, will that will that significantly affect their recruiting and, and who they go after? Um. I don't. I don't. I think that the the impact is a little a little bit overblown. I think there are individual um, circumstances where shoe companies play a major role. Uh, I think with Antonio Blakeney, the thing that that spurred that whole conversation um, that Rick Pitino had, I think shoe companies played a, a massive role. But it wasn't like. All right, think about it like this. It wasn't. Blakeney was a nice kid coming up. You know, he played for a school that was sponsored by Nike, played for each one, teach one on the AAU circuit, which is a Nike program. I, I believe that's Amar Stoudemire's program. It's the same one that, you know, Ben Simmons played for. Uh, the, the, mm-hmm. All his mentors wore, were guys that were running programs. All his basketball mentors were guys that were running programs that were sponsored by Nike and, and, and made their living because Nike was, you know, funding with them with money. And it's not like, this isn't like a, a scandalous thing, but these coaches, the way they make their living is they get funded by Nike and they run their programs and they put these kids in Nike sneakers and you know everything is to get these kids into the, the, the Nike family, so to speak. And so what happened was when Blakeney committed to, to Louisville, before he ever took a visit to a Nike school, the situation was like, you know, the, all the people that he respected as, as, you know, basketball minds and all the people that he was... Uh, friends with at the, at, at, in the college level and the high school level and all these different, you know, basketball minds and people that he knew were kind of like, dude, what are you doing? You're a Nike school. You're not going to get a chance to go to, you know, Kevin Durant camp or LeBron James camp or any of this other stuff. And, you know, I think the situation was more, it wasn't because of the, 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 the sneakers that he was going to wear in college. The situation was, it was his people who just so happened to be affiliated with Nike and, and, you know, I think that that right there is what the core of the issue was. And that brings up a, a, a good point about Blankney. He's kind of that example, of, like you said, why Patino went off on that rant. But it will be interesting because Michigan is one of uh, – Adidas is kind of running out of schools, especially from a basketball standpoint. Uh, so it, it, there is no doubt, I think, Rob, and you can tell me if you if you disagree with me, 
where and you you kind of explained why where these guys are given money by these shoe companies not to directly influence their decisions but they're kind of grateful to those schools uh, adidas has the second best crop of talent without a doubt right right behind nike a lot of the really good guys this past year were adidas guys so uh so michigan leaving that pool i think is going to open things up maybe a little bit more for louisville, for louisville but at the end of the day uh, most kids are going. Or, or most kids don't decide based on shoe companies. But you are right, where there are people telling them, "Hey, uh, maybe it'd be better if you did look at some of these schools, or you at least owe it to them with everything they've done for you to to give uh, these shoe company schools a, a look." Yeah, you know, I, I mean, look, if you're gonna, if, if it was all based on shoe companies, then you want to be affiliated with Nike over Adidas, simply because Nike has more kids and better kids than than. Adidas does, or then Under Armour does. That's just you know the lay of the land. People, Nike has got the best circuit, the best talent. You know they have LeBron, they have Jordan, they have Kevin Durant. They they have they basically have everybody. So that's who you want to be with. But again, I don't think that this decision to go from Adidas to Nike is has has very much to do with the basketball side of things. But you know, to be honest. Basketball isn't even Michigan's biggest program. You know, football is. That's that's their that's their flagship athletics program. I mean, so I I I don't know enough about college football recruiters to know if that plays any role in it at all. But I I mean, this, I think this decision has more to do with the football side of things than with basketball recruiting. And again, I don't I don't see this having a a massive impact on um, Michigan. Like, let's put it like this: I don't think that switching from Adidas. To, to Nike or Jordan would have kept highest battle committed to Michigan. Yeah, that that that's uh, there's a good example of a guy who was a Nike guy committed to Adidas, but did decommit. And I agree with you. Uh, you know, I think I think there are some circumstances where guys are pushed to certain schools because of their shoe affiliation. But you did have Malik Newman, who's kind of the uh, the sweetheart of the Nike UIBL the last few years, going to an Adidas school. So. Um, it, it goes both ways. Same with Andrew Wiggins going to Kansas. So you'll see some guys do that. Uh, last question before we let you go. There's been a big debate on which class is better, uh, recruiting class for 2015, Duke or Kentucky. Which one are you taking and, and give a reason why? Ooh, that's tough. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that Kentucky is probably better at this point just because I think that Gall is the best player um, in this class, and I'm not completely sold on Derek Thornton being able to contribute immediately. Uh, you know, I, I, he's not. A lot of guys that reclass and go early are guys that are old for their age, and Derek Thornton wasn't old for his age. He's just going to college. Early. So I think that that right there is why I would say that Kentucky's class is better. Um, that said, in the long term, I think that Brandon Ingram. There's a chance he could end up being the best player in this class. So when we look at it ten years from now, it all depends on what Brandon Ingram and and Skull turn into. So I mean, you know, from a potential standpoint, I think that Ingram might have a little bit of a higher ceiling. But in terms of what their immediate impact is going to be this season and what is likely their only season um, in college basketball, I think that Kentucky's Kentucky's uh, guys are going to end up having a bigger impact. I, I I know your stance on um, I know your stance on Jamal Murray and I and I feel like 
I, it might be my fault based on a tweet I sent out yesterday saying that you weren't as high on him. You're still very complimentary of him. You just don't think that it drastically changes UK's national title outlook, which is understandable. But let's say you could have you're starting a college team and you could have Derek Thornton and Brandon Ingram or Scalabissier and Jamal Murray. Which two are you going with? Because I'm a big Probably. Derek Thornton fan too. I know I would I would go with Scal and, and Jamal Murray. I think I think Jamal Murray, like I said, I think that he's going to be a good player in college. I don't see him being a guy that ends up being like an All American. So I, I, maybe he's an All SEC guy, but I've seen him projected as like a top five pick in the NBA draft in 2016, and I just I, I keep around him being that much of an impact player and, and, and that much of a of a prospect, at least at this point. You know, I could be wrong, you know. Uh, but I, I just see him being a guy that averages, like, 11 points and three assists as, you know, the third, office, the third option offensively as opposed to being the guy that is, like, the star of this Kentucky team. And, you know, maybe I'm just pessimistic on him because I haven't seen him as much recently. But, you know, that's just I, – I think that he had – I think that his height – has grown past what his actual ability is. And that doesn't mean he's a bad player. That doesn't mean he's not going to have an impact. I just don't think that at this point he's a guy that we can talk about as being like a, a, a top 10 pick in the 2016 draft. Well, the good news is we'll, we'll have a, a, a season to, to find out just how good he is and uh, if he can live up to that hype. Because you're right. I mean, there has been, ever since that Nike Hoop Summit game, there has been a lot more hype surrounding him, uh, last question before we let you go, Rob. Um, if you give me a give me a 2016 recruit that you think Kentucky fans should keep an eye on, uh, you know we talk basketball recruit on this show enough, but it's nice to get a, a fresh and uh, I guess generally a better opinion on that sort of thing with with you on the show. Well, I think the top six guys in this class are are unbelievable. You know, I, I think that when you, especially the top three, uh, Justin Jackson. Jason Tatum and Harry Giles are three guys that I think are going to end up uh, being all-stars for a long time at the NBA level. And I think they're going to be guys that we can talk about for the 2016-2017 season as being three guys that potentially be, you know, national player of the year. Um, I think Jason Tatum at this point, um, I, I know he's got a list of four, but, but I think that at this point he's probably going to end up being Duke or St. Louis that he goes to. Uh, if I was a betting man, I'd say he ended up at Duke, so maybe Kentucky fans don't want to get too excited about him. Um, Harry Giles and, and, and Josh Jackson, I think, has a chance to be, you know, a Paul George kind of impact player with his ability to defend or his ability to rebound, how good he is offensively. Uh, if I'm a Kentucky fan, though, the guy that I really, really want is Malik Monk. I think Malik Monk is the most entertaining player in this class. He's like, what about games where he goes like two for 15? But also, he's capable of exploding for like 45 points. He dunks on everybody. When he gets hot, he's hitting like 26 foot threes, like three straight possessions. He's such a fun player to watch when he gets going. He's a little inconsistent, but he's a guy that I could see being, you know, a real difference maker at the uh, the college level. And and if I'm a Kentucky fan, after once you get past those top three, that's the guy that I'm. With. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how 2016 shakes out. We're going to learn a lot more this week at uh, plenty of great recruiting events. Uh, Rob, thanks for much. Thank, thank you so much for joining us here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Uh, keep us updated on, on Baby Watch, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. Take care, guys. And another, 
and another show with Rob where we didn't talk movies. We've got to change that next week, but it's always great to have him come on the show. You got to quit uh, thanking him we so need much to... for coming on, too. You're going to spoil him. I, I was never that nice to him. He's gonna accept, I, I, he's gonna I do stick, appreciate he's him coming on. that politeness for me, and I, I, I just can't tell. I do appreciate him coming on. He, it is, uh, you know, talking to you all day, Trevor, it's a breath of fresh air. I can imagine. I'm kidding. I'm going to get a text from my no, mom here not. in a second saying that I'm being that I'm being too mean to you. That's me. Listen, you've sat here and flat out called me a moron and an idiot. I don't think you saying that having someone else to talk to is a fresh breath uh, a breath of fresh air is any any worse than that. And those didn't offend me, so I think you're good on that note. But it is nice to have somebody on the show that that knows uh, a thing or two about recruiting from a national scale. Although, I mean, I thought you were going to say a thing or two in general. <laughs> no, no, you know, you know a thing or two about a thing or two, and that's about it, though. <laughs> but um, uh, he 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 still isn't as high on Jamal Murray. Um, I he said he thinks he's going to be the third leading scorer on Kentucky's team next season. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he said third best score. Uh, I just I I I think he's going to be the leading scorer or close to him and in, in Scalabissi. I'm taking Jamal Murray over Isaiah Briscoe, and I am. I'm doing that every time, and, and I can't wait for the season to play out because I've been incredibly high on uh, incredibly high on how talented he is. Um, Trevor, what do we need to do about commercial breaks here? <laughs> Oh come on! This is not your. This isn't your first rodeo, man. This is, you. You've been doing this for a while. Let's. I tell you what. Let's take. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back for a short segment. Uh, maybe we can talk about the news I just read about a Han Solo spinoff movie for Star Wars, <laughs> and then uh, we'll, we'll we'll finish off a normal at the top of the hour at the end of, for the long stretch at the end. Well, it's four fifty-five. We don't have time for for a short break well, at the five o'clock. Why the hell did you ask me? If you're oh, gonna, I just wanted to see. If you're gonna I wanted get, to see if you're still. I wanted to see if you're still on your toes. Um, this is uh, watching currently. We'll, we'll we'll take a break at the five o'clock hour. We'll, we'll run right. through. Uh, in in Charlotte, beating Brooklyn here in the NBA Summer League. Great. I I don't know Aaron Harrison's final numbers, but I've kind of peeked up every now and then to see what's going on. Uh, saw him hit a very important three to kind of put the game out of reach. And then uh, I think the game was within five or, or six points, and Brooklyn was hoping for a miss from Charlotte. Aaron Harrison attacked the rim, did miss, but it was one of those things that Cal Perry would have been super happy about with the miss because uh, it, it, he missed it high off the, off the backboard where uh, Frank Kaminsky was able to scoop it up and clean it up for a bucket, no problem. So I don't know his final numbers, but he looked really good. Uh, you could certainly make a case that he has looked better than his brother Andrew in the summer league, which you can't put too much stock into uh, into just some random summer league games. But I, I think Aaron Harrison, despite not being drafted, is going to going to find his way on this Hornets roster. Trevor Harrison's final numbers: four of eleven from the field, one of four from deep, uh, eleven points, three steals, four fouls, four assists, six turnovers, five rebounds. Was that that was that today? That's today. Twenty nine minutes and nineteen seconds of action. Well, the turnover is a little high. Yeah, uh, but everything else uh, a little a little sloppy. But he's playing with guys. You could say this about anybody. He's playing with guys that he's never played with before. You don't know exactly how many of those turnovers are really truly his fault, but still too high. No, I, it, I, it no, I, I read that wrong. I'm sorry. I, I looked at TOT at total rebounds and, and just quickly saw turnovers. Uh, he only had two turnovers. I do stand up. I stand corrected. Four. Okay. 
Yeah, four. Six, I was gonna say six. Six is a little high. And I hear I thought he played a great game and ends up having six turnovers. That doesn't make for a great game. Like I said, you know how the box score says TOT for total rebounds. I just read it wrong across the bottom. So 11 points, six rebounds. uh, How many assists? Four assists, three steals. And two turnovers. That's a a pretty solid game from just a uh, contributor. You know, this isn't one of your high-scoring NBA games that's in the hundreds or 110s. They play different minutes. I, I think it's only nine or ten-minute quarters, uh, which is a little shorter. And you're playing with, with guys, like I said, that you've never played with again. So um, 11 points of 64, that's not bad. Second on so, the team in nah, scoring, tied for third in rebounds, led the team in assists, uh, led the team in steals. And I don't know if I mentioned it, but third in, tied with Frank Kaminsky for third in scoring, both behind only veteran guard Troy Daniels. Interesting. Uh, so that's, uh, and yeah, Carl he Clark, is a by the way, veteran. Four, four points, three rebounds, uh, no other stat across the board, just 10 minutes played. Who, who's he playing for, Brooklyn? Brooklyn, yeah. Man, I forgot to even keep an eye on him. Of course, I'm, I'm doing the radio show, so I wasn't able to watch it in full, but before the show started, uh, I was watching that game, and I forgot to even keep an eye on him. A little, it's little tough side to... note, uh, one of the best recruits to not get, one of the top, probably one of the bigger flops in terms of, over projection in terms of recruits, Cliff Alexander, uh, 21 minutes, 53 seconds, two of six from the field, six points, four rebounds, four fouls, no, no blocks, no assists, no turnovers. Interesting. Uh, here's, I mean, I just, I can't believe Cliff Alexander's lack of success out of high school. Uh, he, I, he played on the same AAU team with Julio Locafor, and I don't care what some other guys say. I watch plenty of their games. They played for Mac Irvin Fire in the Nike AU EYBL circuit. And there were games he was just flat out better than Jaleel Okafor. I mean, uh, Trevor, I, I don't know how to explain it. You look at Okafor, who's dominating college or who dominated college basketball in his one year, uh, has played one summer league game and, and nearly had a double double with 20 points, nine rebounds. Uh, he looks like he's got a very bright, promising future. And then you have Cliff, Cliff Alexander, who. You're wondering if he's even going to make it in the NBA ever. And he's a prime example uh, of why the one-and-done rule is good for the NBA, by the way. He comes straight out of high school. He's a, what, top-ten pick? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah I mean, maybe top five. Without I, a doubt. I mean, he, that is another prime example of why I argue why. I, I know you can say the one-and-done may not be good for, for college basketball. It may not be good for the kids. But you know what? The rule's not in there as much for them as it's protect the NBA and its assets. And it's why it's a, excellent. This is another example of why it's a good to have the one-and-done rule for the NBA. That's a that's a really good point. I you know I I don't have a stance one way or the other on the one and done. I I don't think that you should you should force somebody. I, I think people should be able to go in the NBA right away. But it's there, I, there's I don't age have restrictions a, on being able to serve alcohol. There's age restrictions on joining the. There's other restrictions on many other jobs. Why can't there be one on being in the NBA? Well. Again, it's not it's not my league, so I can't make the rules for it. But I think if somebody's good enough to play basketball, and, and basically if somebody who's good enough to work for your company, you let them work for your company, regardless of their age. If they can do a good job, you let them in. Uh, so that's my only that's my only thing. But again, I don't have money in the NBA. I, I'm not a, I'm not an NBA owner. And if I was, I agree with you, Trevor. I would 100 percent want the one and done rule. And you bring up a really good point about Cliff Alexander because he would have stolen money from yeah. an NBA team had he been able to go straight from high school. Because he, I don't know what happened. He was better than Jaleel Okafor in some games. Not every game. And, and overall, I think Jaleel Okafor is probably the better prospect. But it was close. 
You were having that conversation. And now you look at these two and think that they played on different planets with how different they, their games are. Uh, so I'm kind of... I'm kind of embarrassed that you could watch those games and think, oh, yeah, they're in the same conversation. Because I was a Cliff Alexander, uh, I was a big Cliff Alexander fan. The only thing I can think of is maybe the bully ball that he played didn't translate, but he was still a really good defender. Uh, he still blocked shots. He still was a rebounding machine. And that's all things that should be able to translate. Even if the offense doesn't follow through, those all should be able to translate. And none of it did. He's just a big body. He's almost just a kind of. Uh, doesn't do anything good. And uh, you can be good in high school just being athletic. That's why Tim Couch was a uh, all-state uh, basketball first team all-state basketball player in high school senior because in high school basketball it doesn't take skill to be good and, and to be successful. It just takes almost athleticism and size. And uh, it, I was I've been enjoying something Doster they've been doing on NBC where they've been re-ranking their classes over the last eleven years, twelve years, whatever. That being said, noticing guys that are you know ranked in, in the top ten or top fifteen that are in the lower 20s or even in some cases maybe unranked. Cliff Alexander, in your mind, when you think back 10 years from now, one of the bigger flops in terms of uh, complete hit and miss or swing and miss on a projection of a recruit? What? Sorry, what was the, what was the beat you kind of cut out there at the beginning of that question? Alexander, when you look back in 10 years from now, one of the bigger flops that you can rem- you always remember of, of a, a complete swing and miss at the projection of a recruit coming from high school to college? Oh, without a doubt, he would certainly be in that. I'm sure there's other names, he, but we well, constantly he, forget their names because they, well, they were misses. <laughs> he will always be in that conversation. I mean, without a doubt, he will always be in that conversation of guys where you just wonder, you know, what the hell happened. Even Josh Selby, to a certain extent, yeah. and I, is he is he in the NBA? He might he, he might was. be in the D League or something. I don't know if he's actually in the NBA per se. He uh, well, the a quick Google search uh, says that he's embracing an international path. He was number one in the rankings, so he, he'd be in that same conversation. Uh, and, and you know, there there are other guys, but again, when you were compared you to the best two of the Kansas best, guys, by the way. Well, uh, you got to wonder if that's a coincidence or if Kansas is getting unlucky. I think that's got to be at least some of a coincidence. They had a guy like, not to mention, you have a guy like Wayne Seldon, who was looked at as being a one and done and top maybe top fifteen pick coming out of high school. And did he declare this year? I can't remember if he did. I don't even think he got drafted. Or did he? I decide- think no. I think he's coming. I think he's coming back. Is he back again for senior? Who Who would you write in in your recent memory? Who would you say? It's hard to say with the, other the Cal years, but. Who's the highest recruit to fall the flattest in terms of in, in, in Kentucky basketball that you can think of? It might be Aaron Harrison if you're talking about NBA rankings. Let's yeah. let's table this conversation. Okay. I'll, I'll think about it, and you think about it as well. We're going to head to commercial break. We'll come back here on 1450 The Sports Bus. Stick around. Song, song of the South. Sweet potato pie and I shut my mouth. Gone, gone with the wind. There ain't nobody looking back again.
You're listening to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Sorry, folks. We're closed for two weeks to clean and repair America's favorite family fun park. Sorry. <laughs> Presented by Allen Electric. We watch his program. Buy his toys. We go to his movies. He owes us. We're back 1450 the Sports Buzz, one final segment on a rainy Tuesday afternoon. A little bit of breaking news to start the show. Austin Nichols, a junior, I guess rising junior for the Memphis Tigers, and Josh Pastner, will be leaving the basketball program down in Memphis. Uh, this is this is significant. And we don't know if he will plan on heading to the pros, if he'll plan on heading overseas or what his deal will be or if he'll transfer uh, but this is a, a really big piece leaving Memphis and Memphis kind of gearing up for what a year a year where uh, it, I don't think they were a national title contender but uh, second weekend of the NCAA tournament probably would have been expected and now I'm not so sure if that's the case anymore uh, without Nichols, and and here's here's an interesting thing, Trevor. If he decides that he is going to transfer, and again, I have no idea. I'm just seeing the the tweets scroll across the old Twitter, so I'm not 100 percent sure exactly what he's going to do. But if he were to transfer to a school, this is really significant, and the reason why that is is because the 2016 big man class isn't all that deep. It's very very talented at the top. Don't get me wrong, but it's not all that deep. And here you have. Uh, a pretty good scoring, offensive-minded uh, forward, six foot nine, two hundred and thirty pounds, has a college-ready body, has uh, has game experience, and you could get him for two more years. Trevor, uh, he could become a, a significant recruit if he decides to go to another program. I'm assuming he has to sit out a year. He's not he's not a grad student, right? Yeah. yeah. So he'd basically be a 2016 recruit. He'd have to sit out a year. Uh, and then he'd be able to play college basketball again in 2016-2017, which he was born in 1994. So that would, uh, you know, that would put him pretty old. So he, he might decide just to start his pro- professional career as soon as possible. But but we'll see. Uh, and, and Kentucky specifically, not that I've heard anything about Kentucky wanting to get involved, reaching out and trying to land him. But you're you're probably going to lose Alex Poitras, Scalabissier, and Marcus Lee this upcoming year. It's not an overly deep 2016 class uh, with when it comes to big guys. Like I said, it might be good to get an experienced piece. Uh, they may you know, even look after some, some JUCOs or grad transfers. I think this would probably be the best one available. He averaged over 13 points, uh, 6 rebounds, and, and 3.5 blocks per game for Memphis last year. Uh, that that would it, this will be cer- certainly something to keep an eye on, um, depending on what he decides to do. Yeah, and like as you mentioned, you're getting with it, it, and you would know better than I would because you said you like to talk to Tosh about recruiting because I don't follow it as much. But th- if it is a weak big man class, as you stated, and he automatically I would assume would move up near the top of the ladder in terms of the importance of wanting to get him, and not, and as well as you kind of stated, you're getting a seasoned guy. I mean, somebody who's not 
you know, wet behind the ears and, and right off the, uh, the high school gym that, that has been through the trenches and knows how to uh, compete and can make an immediate impact right away. Not that a freshman can't, but a better chance of him being more productive as an immediate impact than you would expect maybe even from a freshman, especially one that it would be probably in the middle of the recruiting class. Yeah, without a doubt. And, again, you know, it, there's uh, – John what's Calipari this? knows what he's doing on the re- – What's that, well, Trevor? I say, what's this, what does this do for Passner, by the way? I mean, we already know he's he's been on a hot seat for, what, I mean, like some six hours after he got the job in Memphis. And he's he, been incredibly underwhelming. I mean, So I don't think he has been on a hot seat because if, if he was on a hot seat, he'd already be gone because he has not done that well. But he, but he, but he's he's a likable guy from what I'm saying. And, I, and I've, I've had a chance to see him, you know, have him in press conferences, and he's, he's very likable. He, yeah, very, very. I don't. I don't want to say you know, like a, a guy's guy, but gets along with every, almost everybody. He's very friendly. Apparently, I was still obviously clearly a solid recruiter, which kind of teases you to a degree. But I mean, and he's made the tournament. I mean, I'm looking at his resume right now. He's last year in his first year, the only years he's missed the tournament. In his first year, he still won 24 games. But I mean, first round, first round, second round, second round. I mean, nothing that's really. I mean, kind of in that. College basketball purgatory, where Memphis is not. I mean, I think basketball reminds me they're kind of like to me like Georgia football. Like they have that one year, but but they always consider themselves this upper class, but nothing to show for it. Kind of like Clemson a little bit in football as well. They they consider themselves in this Alabama, Ohio State, and 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 certain level of of, of dominance, and they're always good, but they're never good enough to win a championship. And that's how kind of Memphis was and. And maybe Cal kind of teased him a little bit when he came in and kind of re- rejuvenated the program from what was really dormant from what was really good in the 70s and 80s, despite the fact everything was vacated in the 80s because every player on their team was all coked out their mind, including at halftime of Final Four games. But I just I don't know maybe if they I don't know maybe they've just realized that this is where they kind of belong. But being still in I mean it's not like they're in a major conference though they they kind of got left behind they're in the AAC still. Or that's still in the conference USA, and yet, other than Cal, that you would think that with all the talent that Passner brings in, he would be able to produce better than in, a, in what's kind of a, an average twenty-four win season in, in Memphis. Yeah, you're you're kind of right. He's doing just enough where they're staying relevant, but you got to imagine fans in Memphis are expecting more, and for reasons like you said. Uh, that that Calipari, they were really riding high then. Uh, he left, and a lot of Memphis fans acted like, hey, we don't need you anyways. Fine, if you want to leave us, and they were bitter, obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they said, if you want to leave us, we're, we're going to be okay. And Josh Pastner did seem like a great hire. He, he John Calipari was getting whoever he wanted uh, wherever he was, and you had to imagine that maybe some of the assistants had something to do with that. So you, he, he was young, eager to get on the recruiting trail. I've actually met Josh Pastner, and he's been – i it was just your average, hello, hey. Uh, so he was nice. He's got this very old flip phone that he still uses, which is hilarious to me. He refuses um, to curse, I believe. He's very religious and doesn't won't curse or say anything vulgar, which I think is kind of funny and cute in today's age. Uh, but and uh, he he played at uh, Arizona. Yep. Was on their Arizona national championship team that beat Kentucky in 1997. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on him because I, I do think expectations were high heading into this season if they underperform. And, it, and it's tough for him to not get a lot of wins 
in the AAC because it's just not that great of a basketball conference or a football conference or a conference altogether. It's not that great. So it's going to be tough for him not to get a lot of wins. But if they don't make the second round of the NCAA tournament, if you're a uh, if you're a Memphis fan, you just have to wonder, is that your ceiling? And hopefully you think to yourself, no, it's not. And you wonder if they make a change. Uh, but certainly keep an eye on on Austin Nichols and what he decides to do. Again, I haven't heard anything about Kentucky being an option. Again, this is all happening right now. But with 2016 being a thin recruiting class, I, I'm sure Kentucky would at least be interested. Now, I don't know if Calipari would want to poach from uh, from one of his friends and former assistants. Supposedly, Austin Nichols this is coming from Gary Parrish of CBS. He asked for his release seven business days ago, and Memphis denied the release today. Nichols plans to appeal and or hire a lawyer. That, that, uh, does which, nothing make you look worse when you deny the kid? I mean, how, how what does that do to benefit anybody? All that does is make it, you, you you get the kid what in two more years and is against his will, and you just, and you basically put out the image to everyone else that if you choose us, you better choose us wisely because we'll never let you go. It, I I hate it. It never works out well for the school. I, I think there maybe I forget who it was. There's maybe been one circumstance where the kid asked for his release, didn't get it, ended up staying with the school. But it's it's basically like being in a relationship, and we always come back to this analogy. It seems like, and then wanting to break up, but then your significant other having some holding something against you, as so you can't. Yeah, that's called blackmail. I believe that's illegal in most states. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know how this is legal. You know, a kid doesn't want to be at this school. He's gonna already have to sit out a year. I mean, he's got a binding uh, contract as- that he signed, which is his letter of intent. But those are only year by year anyway. So I mean, that's what I was thinking. If they are year to year, I guess did he already sign his letter of intent for this next upcoming season? I guess. Do they do that? Do they give you letter of intents each season? I mean, I know they can revoke your scholarship if they feel like if feel necessary or, or they just want to, but. Do you have to re-sign a letter of intent each season before each year, or is that just to decide where you're going straight out of high school? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to need to talk to somebody after the show today, and we'll we'll, we'll come back to this conversation. And back to but, Pastner, by the way, there's one thing I think Memphis could maybe – and I know Do- I've had discussion. I remember with Doster, it's kind of clicked in my head moons ago, it seems like, many moons ago. But Pastner is only 38 years old. I mean, he is very young still. I mean, I mean and he's 38 with six years under his belt. I mean, so to tell you, he started 33. So if you're Memphis, while you, I guess we both agree, they're kind of just the, the hamster on the wheel running in place at this moment a little bit, you do want to maybe hold on. You don't want to maybe be too harsh and too quickly on letting him go at his young age, knowing that even even though he's not maybe producing as well statistically on the court, he's still bringing in the talent. And it, it, eventually those two are going to hopefully come up to each other and, and meet each other at one destination that results in Memphis getting maybe for once a Final Four that isn't vacated. Well, and I'm not I, making I a cow like joke. You. The '85 Final Four was vacated too, so just uh, hold your horses, Kentucky fans. That wasn't just a straight cow joke; it was a multi-Memphis joke. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think you had your guns guns ablaze. Hey, I, listen. I, if I can make if I can make a cow joke and a Memphis joke in the same time, that's what we call a trifecta in my world. And then, of course, I think Pastner recently put uh, one of the uh, an assistant hired an assistant coach of a recruit's parents 
uh, multiple parents. Uh, they just they signed uh, Diedrich Lawson and Keon Lawson, who were both four four stars from Memphis, and I'm pretty sure they put their dad on the staff. And I think they also might have two younger brothers that are very promising basketball recruits. So maybe Memphis holds that again. You know, maybe that that is what Josh Pastner is clinging on to. Uh, is a is a brighter future. I don't know, uh, but this Austin Nichols stuff will be something to keep an eye on. Before we had before we went to commercial break, Trevor, you were asking maybe some of the more disappointing Kentucky basketball recruits. Yeah. Now, did you mean during their time at Kentucky or what they went on to do? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I think those kind of go hand in hand. I mean, I I don't know how many uh, there's unless there's a specific name you have in your mind that was underachieving. Significantly, Kentucky then had a solid pro career. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know how many Bogans comes to mind. It's, I don't think he. I would really hard to find it to say he underachieved at UK, but he has had a, a very good pro career beyond what may have been underachieving at Kentucky in some people's eyes. But I was thinking more of just kind of falling a, a high recruit that falls. I don't want to say just completely flat, but well below expectations. And the Harrison Twins you brought up as an early example is kind of what I was referring to. I mean, yes, they obviously was success with their tenure at Kentucky, two Final Fours, no championships, but yet two Final Fours. But let's be honest, I mean, they were a, a very, two very deep Kentucky teams that weren't necessarily all reasons why the Harrison Twins weren't the ones carrying them to those Final Fours, even though they did hit big shots and played well. Uh, you're, you're, you're right, but I mean, there have been some guys that have had salt. Aaron Harrison's Kentucky career was solid it wasn't i you know i don't know if it ended up being the the five-star career both andrew no, no, and harris no. no they fell well short of their expectations well short but but part of that and especially their second year uh, they were kind of pinned up there was a lot of talented they're on two really really talented teams uh where you know maybe that maybe maybe you, you hate saying this but maybe it would have been better for them to go to a school like maryland where they would have gotten a lot more shots been the focal point of the offense where both years they were at Kentucky, uh, that was not the case at all, especially the second year with, with just super talented guards, too. At least their freshman year, they kind of were the guys in the backcourt, uh, and it didn't work out as well. I'll give you with a Andrew Harrison, I, I'm sorry, go on. I was going to say. Well, with Andrew Harrison, he was able to – he played well enough, and I don't consider his time at Kentucky not successful. It was very – I would consider both their times at Kentucky very uh, successful, especially with what they their team was able to do. But Andrew Harrison was able to impress NBA scouts enough to, to get drafted. It might have been a little lower than previously thought. But then again, Aaron Harrison was a five-star guy coming in, didn't put up great numbers at UK. He was known to be a shooter. His shooting numbers were – uh, far from far from great, and ends up going unselect, er, not not selected, not drafted. So he would be up there. Uh, I think Alex Poitras would be in the conversation again. Like I've mentioned on this show several times, when you watch that guy in high school, he was just a monster, yeah. able to do it all. We haven't seen that from him, with the exception of an occasional game here and there. He's not consistent. Uh, he's going to have another year, and in two years maybe if he wants it. So he's got more time to to figure things out, uh, and we'll see. Another name would be, I thought Alex Legion was going to tear up college basketball way back when. Uh, there's a blast from the past. That never happened. Uh, so, so he would be in the conversation as well. And he, he, he didn't. He had a very short career at Kentucky. Very short. Names that come to me, uh, Daniel Orton, who was a, was, a, was a top 20 prospect coming in. Uh, I think he was ranked 17th uh, when I was kind of looking up during the break. Uh, he was ranked 17th, clearly fell way short. Now, granted, he got, the number, he got to be a first-round pick. Something I still was still one of the best inter- draft day interviews in the history of NBA when Stan Van Gundy, when asked why they took him, said, I don't know, it wasn't my choice. 
And you could tell at that point, Daniel Ward had no hope. Even if he thought he had hope in Orlando, he didn't, wasn't going to at that point. Uh, Marvin Stone comes to mind, which can maybe rank for both Louisville and Kentucky to a degree. Uh, I don't mean to speak ill of, the, of the, someone who's passed, but, you know, the fact is a fact. He was a huge recruit coming in, kind of like a Cliff Alexander. I think he played AU ball with someone else, uh, a loaded AU team, and came in and obviously was a big disappointment in Kentucky. He never averaged more than, <clears throat> excuse me, more than six points a game in his two seasons. Uh, I don't know if Randolph Morris would be cons- – I think some may consider him, uh, even though I thought he pl- his numbers would, would argue against it, but yet the expectations maybe still overweight even the numbers that he did put up at Kentucky. Yeah, um, the Daniel Orwin I'll agree with, but but to – for argument's sake, he wasn't a Calipari guy. Calipari didn't recruit him. Uh, there was whispers he might ask out of his LOI. He still was a big recruit that, that fell way short of any expectations. Big though. recruit, but he was also behind DeMarcus Cousins in college and Patrick Patterson on the front line. So that I can understand. Uh, but then, but you are right. He didn't do anything in college, and he didn't do anything in the NBA. So he was a bust. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But you don't. I, I don't know if Kentucky fans just pinpoint him as saying, "Wow, what a what a huge." What a huge bust because Kentucky didn't really need him that year, really at all. Um, but, you know, he still is a Kentucky guy. He, he gets forgotten, I think, more than any other Calipari recruit. Uh, and Randolph Morris, I don't I don't know. Uh, I, he, he hasn't had the NBA future that I think anybody would have predicted back in 2003, 2004, when he was debatably one of the best players in, in high school basketball. Uh, but he did well at Kentucky, yeah, maybe not as well as people thought. In but junior year, he averaged sixteen and eight. I mean, that's what I'm saying. He had he a solid un- two blocks. I mean, he had a solid college career, but it, it developed late and still was. I still, despite the, his expectations to, to to get to his junior year to have his really only good year, his junior year seems a little disappointing to me because he was projected to be something greater than he clearly he ever was. And by the end of his junior year at Kentucky. He was, I don't know if you remember this, Trevor, he was unstoppable one-on-one in the post. And, and this oh, yeah. is going to be a crazy comparison, and I'm probably going to regret doing it as soon as I say it, but he was almost like Jaleel Okafor efficient on the block when it was just one other guy. Like, if he got the ball in the post, somebody else was, one other guy was guarding him and there was no double team, he was scoring. Now, he was much slower than Okafor, and, and, and you know, not if you did bring another guy on him, he had no idea really what to do in in that double team, yeah, he averaged uh, one assist turn, a game. <laughs> would turn it over. Not not known for his passing. He, he was slow. He was slow. Uh, not a great defender. Uh, but I swear, when it was one on one, he was going to score every time. Uh, and he is like the Michael Jordan of Chinese basketball. So I don't know, Trevor, if we can completely throw him under the bus because he is uh, making big bucks. And I think he's playing. I think he's playing summer league basketball with somebody. Uh, maybe Portland. Uh, or, no, be. Daniel Orton's going Daniel Orton's going to play for Portland, Portland along with Keith Bogans. Um, but I think Randolph Morris was playing for somebody. I could be wrong. Another name um, that popped oh, up, well. and he wasn't a top fifty recruit. He was a four star. So again, I'm, I'm Kentucky's really they're fewer and far between. I think with this category, uh, Antoine Barber's name kind of stuck out to me a little bit of a guy that was was high, had very high expectations. I think coming to Kentucky again, not a top fifty recruit. He was a JUCO, if I'm not mistaken, but was, according at least to the site I was looking at, I won't name it because it wasn't you, uh, had him as a four-star recruit. So then he was, I guarantee his career was nowhere near equal to a four-star recruit. No, and he came to mind as well. Also, you know, I, I don't like saying it, and we probably should have known with 
with Calipari being the coach, but John Hood was like the next oh, yeah. big thing. In- I, but that didn't surprise me. I watched him play twice in high school. I'll, I'll never forget this day. We were at Louisville Gardens for a, they were doing some tournament, and his team was there. And I was sitting with the three of my friends, all UK the UK fans. It might have been the LIT. And I, I watched this kid play, and I remember my, looking at him and said, this kid's ne- – I mean, th- this is a Todd Tackett Jr. to me. I mean, this kid has no business being at Kentucky. Like, he's a – I remember getting my friends who's one of them was is, is your stereotype UK fan that what all Louisville fans don't want to describe every Kentucky fan as. Oh, he's a four-star recruit, man. This kid jump out the gym. I'm telling you. I think I swear I think he ended his sentence with cats by t- – I'll hang up and listen, cats by 20. I mean, I, I, he, he's that, that's – Stereotype of a fan. He's a good guy, though. I, I don't mean to talk ill of him, but I just remember listening to him and my other buddy just talking. He's a four star. He can jump. He can do this. He's da da da. I'm like, listen, I watched this kid for five minutes. This kid is not going to play Kentucky. He has no business being in Kentucky. He can go to Kentucky if he wants, but he ain't going to do nothing. And I hate to say I'm not right all the time, but I was damn right on that one. I didn't think he was going to be a star, but. He was offensive minded. He was a Kentucky kid. I watched him play, and and he was that team they played was terrible. Trevor, and you want to know how I know they were terrible is because they played Saint X and they got beat badly, and that was not a a great Saint X team. Uh, But he was a guy that played four positions in high school, could score from anywhere, was a decent three point shooter. I thought he would have had something. I thought he would have had some time at Kentucky where he was a product of being a good athlete in an area that did not produce a lot of athletes and the competition made him look a lot better than he really was yeah all right we're out of time for today uh we're sadly we're gonna have to also take a break from the show because i will be uh doing recruiting work uh but we'll come back soon just follow me on twitter t walker rivals we'll let you know when the show i'll give you a little gift on the global side of this whole discussion at least of all the things we talked about kentucky none of them match global's probably biggest blunder and that's their character uh, Derek, I've got some. I've got a good Derek character story, and we don't have time if for it. It involves a Gatorade bottle. I've heard it. Uh, it, I, I, it does not. I don't, and I haven't heard that, so I'd like to. Um, but we, uh, we've got to go. So we'll, we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Rob coming on, and uh, enjoy Nick Coffee's inside the press box coming up next here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz. No, we hitting two. So I'll call it blue grass, so I'll call it purple. I'ma call it home. Take a shot of Tron. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to BG in my zone. Let me hear you say, high time sitting by.